Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex, access our monthly newsletter with subscriber-only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with adult content. So if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on your headphones. Today, the letter is I, and I is for hashtag iTalk. Hashtag iTalkSex is a campaign started by the ladies who brought us Scarlet Ladies, Sarah and Jeanette. Both women come from very different backgrounds and discovered the same thing that women don't have lots of safe spaces to talk about sex and intimacy and that they desperately need these spaces. They have created a space that encompasses fierce values, fierce standing for freedom, inspiration, esteem, courage, and enjoyment. And I've focused on connecting all women through these values. Joining me today to talk fierce values and the I Talk Sex campaign is Sarah Belfast. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, Laurie. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me something about why you felt it was so important to start this campaign. Well, I think the importance of the campaign goes back to why we founded Scarlet Ladies to begin with, which is um, I met Janet at a networking event and um, we live in a similar area. So we stayed in touch and Janet is a very outspoken person and um, I think the second or third time I met her she went into one of her now famous rants about um, blowjobs and I was not used to anyone talking that openly Um, but she mentioned a few things that I could really relate to and I had this feeling of oh thank goodness it's not just me then and it was a real relief. And out, out of this feeling of relief, um, I said half jokingly, you know what, we should, we should maybe run a workshop or something. And we had so much ground to cover that this is how Scarlet Ladies was born. And something that we uh, notice again and again and again in our meetings, in our events, is that women come up to us afterwards. We will discuss something around female sexuality And women will come up to us after the event and say, thank you so much. I just realized I'm normal. And I'm so glad I'm I'm normal. Everybody, I mean, you could argue what is normal, right? But this feeling of I am not alone. I'm not Mm -hmm. deviant, if you like. There's nothing wrong with me. Other women are experiencing the same thing. And we notice this time and time again. And we felt that, while our events are great, we wanted to bring this message home to a wider audience. 
Um, and th this is why we started the hashtag I took sex campaign um, to bring this, you know, to the wider world via social media and to reiterate the importance of women to talk to each other, to talk about sex, um, not just because it's great if you know, oh yeah, this, this thing I really like um, doesn't make me, you know, an odd person it's something that other people enjoy too obviously that is one great part of it but there's um darker areas that we cover with that as well women who were previously afraid to speak up about sexual violence that now feel comfortable i mean if you think of the campaign hashtag me too mm -hmm. you know it was the, the safety in numbers that encouraged more women to speak up um I have recently seen uh, a report about women that actually die from uh, uh, cancers on, on their vulva, but because they are not familiar enough with their vulva, they don't necessarily detect a change. Um, and because there's so much stigma around talking about it, even their partners won't point it out to them if there is a change. So if, if there is a growth or something, there's so much shame around it that people don't really talk about it. And then it's left until a late stage. And by the time um, the woman does get to the doctor and, and it gets caught, um, you know, she, she might be much further down the line than necessary. So you see there's a whole range of reasons from yeah. um, health to, to um, safety uh, and, and justice all the way to just plain enjoyment because our bodies are capable of so much pleasure. So, I mean, I was having a conversation with um, a couple who do somatic sexual healing um, and we were talking about, um, well, they're actually, um, F. they were the ones I interviewed for F is for sexual freedom, F is for freedom. And we were talking about, um, how hard people find it to have these conversations um, and how concerned they are as to how they'll be viewed just by talking about these things and how shut down they are. Um, and that what that does, how that energy becomes trapped in the body. And so everything becomes more of a negative experience. And that basically women aren't tapping into a tenth of the pleasure that they could have because mm -hmm. they won't talk about these things. So they're not clearing this old stuff that they're carrying around in their bodies, essentially. Yeah. And um, you, you said something very important there about, you know, who talks about these things. Part of, of our campaign or what accompanied our uh, campaign was um, a photo campaign as well, where we've taken photographs, sort of our main uh, campaign ladies that were willing to share their stories and why they believe it's important to talk about sex. And the reason why we did that is because there seems to be a bit of a misconception or social stigma around who talks about sex. If you're male, it is always okay to talk about sex. If you're female, you have to be a certain kind of woman to be talking about sex. So there is immediately this judgment. And what we wanted to show with the, the accompanying photo campaign is that it's every woman, whether yeah. she is 
a lawyer or she is um, a yoga teacher or women from all walks of life can and will talk about sex because we are human and as such our sexuality is part of our personhood and that is no different for men or women or you know anyone who, who falls in between those two I mean I just think that I just think the whole thing is so important as you say you know this there needs to be that safety and that space for women to feel that they can talk about these things. And, and it, it, you know, it doesn't have to be in a group space. It doesn't have to be with other women, but they need to have a variety of places where they can find safety or create safety so that they can share these things because it's got implications, not only for health, but uh, physical health, but for mental health as well and for life satisfaction. And that one of the problems that I see over and over in my consulting room is that couples don't talk about these issues. They don't talk about sex. Sometimes they have no clue what their partners actually enjoy because they're too busy worrying about making sure that, that nobody's gonna feel upset or, or embarrassed or that you know um, if I talk about this, he might think I'm disgusting so he'll leave me. Or if I tell her this, um, she may get upset and that will be the end of the relationship. So there's no way of really connecting fully because they're not communicating because they don't feel safe enough to do so. Absolutely. And the, the issue of mental health, we um, discussed in part um, at this week's event, actually. We had um, a panel discussing LGBT issues under the topic it's my normal being LGBTQ yeah and the, the common theme that we found was society has certain expectations we've got a, a certain idea of what normal looks like and the, the stipulations that we get there are really rather narrow and really not re representative of human sexuality Mm -hmm. um, and, and human natural behavior whatsoever. Um, and what we heard from all of our panelists really was that if you are not exclusively heterosexually inclined and uh, absolutely monogamous, um, then somehow there's something wrong with you. And coming to terms with that was something that all of them found really challenging and then communicating to their families that actually um, the sort of traditional penis in vagina that we should all be seeking uh, is not what I'm interested in or is not all that I'm interested in. Um, and from, you know, parents reacting with, oh, where did I fail as your mother to, you know, um, friends not really understanding we have to face all of these challenges on top of, you know, coming to terms with it ourselves of having learned one way all of our life and then realizing that but that way isn't my way. Yeah. And I, and, and, and I mean, in that way, society has a lot to answer for. Um, certainly the statistics are actually pretty grim in terms of depression and anxiety and suicide for people who do not identify as heterosexual and monogamous exclusively. Um, and recently, I'm bisexual 
myself. And so I'm always aware of what's going on in terms of being in that um, ambiguous ground. I'm not ambiguous about it. Don't get me wrong. I am bisexual. That's a thing, right? Um, But um, for many people, even within the LGBT community, being bisexual is an ambiguous thing. And um, so we suffer a lot from invisibility. I'm not sure if you know about what happened on Twitter last week. We, in fact, were erased entirely. So Twitter put in a new algorithm. And as a result, if you put in bisexual, you got and images, you got four images maximum. That was it. And if you put in bisexual and you hit the news category, nothing came up because basically all the threads got erased. They were not able to be found. Um, And so this became a huge issue because it just highlights, I mean, that's seriously invisible. That's completely erased. And it got people talking about what it is to be not to be seen and how important it is in fact to be seen and the mental health consequences of not being seen. And again, where are the safe spaces to talk about sex and sexuality? They're very few and far between. And this, it is so important. We, we, um, in last month's panel, uh, Black Beauty versus the Calorist Society, we talked uh, in some detail about the importance of representation. And of course, that panel celebrating Black History Month, it was an ex- exclusively uh, Black women's panel. Um, and we were discussing those issues in particular, you know, the, the issues that Black women face being, um, you know, on the one hand, hypersexualized, um, on the other hand, um, you know, deemed as, as not quite pretty enough because they, they don't um, comply with, with our colorist beauty standards. And it, it's something that I, I have since noticed even more that when you watch TV, um, you know, there's A, not many black women on TV um, and certainly not many dark black women. So the higher the, the level of melanin, the lower the level of representation, which is absolutely ridiculous. And growing up um, as a little girl, what, what does that tell them? You know, if I, I don't exist out there. People like me don't exist out there. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think... It, it, it's a really big issue because there's no way to identify yourself as belonging then. And that, and that becomes really difficult. That creates really difficult issues around identity and then the further issues around sexual identity. So, <laughs> excuse me, it makes things even harder. Absolutely. And I think um, it then if it, it has such a um, domino effect, isn't it? If, if you, first of all, as, as human beings, we are social creatures. We need a sense of belonging, um, whether that be family, friends. It, we have to have a, a sense of social belonging. Um, we need to know sort of our, our place in the world. And when we don't have that, that affects our, um, our confidence. And mm-hmm. this is something that, that sexual predators, for example, um, know very well and exploit specifically because women um, or people who, who 
don't have a place, who don't feel like they belong, who are invisible, they are vulnerable to mm -hmm. abuse, they're vulnerable to violence because they are not seen. That's very true. So it's really important to have these spaces and, and certainly the iTalk sex campaign highlights this. It highlights the, the, the really wide variety of experience that people have, that women have in terms of sex and sexuality and the reasons that, that they feel it's important are as wide as the number of women who take part in the campaign, really. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, another thing that we hear again and again, and this is why it was so important for us to have such a wide range and to not just highlight, um, you know, the, the dark sides of mm -hmm. abuse and, and health, but also um, highlight the, the pleasurable sides of Orgasm, for example, because um, an, another thing that we hear in our events again and again is women who either never had an orgasm or they struggle to have orgasms. And sure, in, in many cases, that's because either it is shame holding them back or guilt. They feel like they, they don't deserve um, that level of pleasure and it should be more about their partner because, again, it's something women are... Um, socialized and raised to give and it's something that we're always being told that oh yeah but women are natural givers um i call bs here i i think <laughs> we're socialized to to um be more giving we're forced to be more giving and it, it is seen or it's looked down upon much more if a woman says no hang on this is what i need um, and I think it's very important to do that uh, because, as the saying goes, you can't pour from an empty cup. So really looking after yourself um, in a way serves not just yourself but everyone around you because you will be able to give a lot more. And what I found with um, our speakers, the ones that were the most sexually satisfied were the most satisfied in life and were... Indeed. And it's something Indeed. that I've found I, consistently. It, it, it's, it's it, you know, for me, it goes back to this whole thing of self-knowledge and self-understanding and that there's development work that we all need to do. Um, that even if we had the best parenting in the world and society was loving and equal to all of us, there's still work in understanding yourself. Um, and that actually, if you do the work on yourself, um, then you have um, so much more to give across the board and you're likely to have the rest of your life be much more satisfying. And when you find something isn't satisfying or it's not making sense, then you're willing to do work on that particular thing because you understand that you can improve your life um, by actually focusing a bit on yourself and doing the work on yourself. Absolutely. And I think it's currently um, still, even in 2017, um, a bit of an uphill struggle because women are just not taken seriously. Our pleasure is not taken seriously. Um, I've recently read, uh, that, well, there was quite a bit of outrage going on around social media because um, when women approach their doctors with um, pain, during sex, which is actually shockingly common for women to not only 
not experience the full pleasure that they could experience, but very often for them it's actually painful. Um, right. And this can be due to actual um, conditions such as vaginismus. Um, and doctors are just not taking it serious. Doctors are advising women, well, if that is painful, just take it up the bum. And so th for, for them, the important part is, okay, how can we get your male partner still satisfied while, while you are struggling? Instead of looking at, okay, how can we solve your issue to make your sex more pleasurable for you? Which is how we should be looking at it. Because yeah. Yeah. We, we are not receptacles for our partners um, if, if we are in a heterosexual relationship we are sexual beings ourselves and we should be able to enjoy our sexual encounters. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think it's, it's so um, frustrating for me to hear that, you know, doctors are still doing that, but I know they are. Um, and, and because we still don't focus on the fact that um, pleasure, lack of pleasure is a valid reason to go to a doctor to ask for some help. That pleasure is part of this, that in fact, pleasure is the biggest part of this. Um, that procreation is only a small part of our sexual uh, repertoire. Um, and so um, most often when you're going to go into a doctor um, with problems, given that that's only a small part of the repertoire, it would be about problems with pleasure issues surrounding pleasure and that that's not considered valid is really frustrating. Yes. Um, and I think if a man goes to the doctor and says, I have issues to orgasm or, um, you know, I've, I've got issues to, to become erect to begin with, the doctor will look into what might cause that. What physical issues might there be that prevent um, you know, the sexual organs, organs from, from working in that way. Um, so it is taken very seriously. Whereas for a woman, she too might have very real physical issues um, that prevent her from having more sexual pleasure. Um, but most of the time, they're not even investigated. They're not being looked into. And women are most likely to just be sent away with Ah, uh, you know, it's all in the head, just relax, you know, uh, orgasm is, is not the goal. And of course, I understand that the more pressure we put on it, the less likely we often are to orgasm, right? The, the more you chase it, the more you chase it away. But at the same time, um, we should be allowed to demand it. And there, there is often this assumption that sex ends when our partner had an orgasm. And that's not where it should end. It, it should end when we're both satisfied. True. And that's, I think, the more that we talk about these issues and the more that we air these issues, um, the more likely it is that we'll get some change. So social media becomes really important because it's, it's in people's faces. It's asking people to acknowledge. It's asking people to see. And the more that people see, the more likely they are to consider and think about it. Um, and it's not so easy to dismiss. Um, so if people want to find out um, 
about the campaign or if they'd like to involve in, in become members of Scarlet Ladies, which as a member, I can say is a wonderful thing to do. It's a great bunch of women. The events are um, always really informative. The atmosphere is fantastic. Um, and, and we have a lot of fun. So where shall they find you if they would like to become involved? Well, the best place um, with the most information is our website, which is www.scarletladiestalk.com. Um, Scarlet with one T, that is. Um, we're also on Twitter under at Scarlet Ladies and on Facebook and Instagram under at Scarlet Ladies UK. That's great. And the links will be on the podcast page. So um, on the podcast note page. So anybody who wants to just click a link is able to do that. If they go to the podcast notes page, when they download this podcast, um, and what are the upcoming events that people might be interested in? Because I know people can come as a guest for an event. Um, and so, and some, for some events you, um, do sell tickets to non-members. They can come and get a feel for the event. Yes, the, the number of events um, that you can come into as a non-member is decreasing with an increase in, in members. So more and yeah. more of the, the events are members only. Um, our next event is uh, Banks and the Bun on the 21st of November, uh, talking about singledom. And we are working on our event list for next year with um, our first panel of the year being in February. Um, and that will be a panel specifically talking about sexual violence and sexuality after having experienced trauma. Right. Okay, so people should look out for that if they're interested um, in finding out what the group is like. Absolutely. So and if, sorry, if, if you are um, interested but a little bit unsure, um, what we offer everyone is to meet with Janet one-to-one -one. Um, we answer all of the questions or Janet will answer all of the questions that you have um, looking on the website that's called an open house and yeah Janet would love to, to meet you and, and um, in, induct you into the community brilliant thank you so much for joining me and thanks everyone for joining me for the A to Z of sex this week. Please write to me with suggestions for the show, questions you want answered at drlauribeth at a to z of sex.com. That's D-R-L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H at A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X.com. For those of you who are Americans who are listening, Z is Z. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and do check out my YouTube channel. For a free 30-minute strategy session with me, go to https colon forward slash forward slash a to z of sex.com and click on the button that says schedule now. If you enjoyed the show, please leave me a review on iTunes and Stitcher. Join me next week for the letter J. And if BDSM or Power Exchange is something that interests you, or if you're already involved and you want to improve things, Go over and take my test to find out about your kinky quotient, which is at https colon forward slash forward slash the dash intimacy dash coach dot com forward slash kinky quotient. That's all one word. K-I-N-K-Y-Q-U-O-T-I-E-N-T. -E Thanks for listening. 
Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. To subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.